Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC football. Apologize, we didn't do a show last week. That's all on me. I was on vacation uh, in Hawaii with my beautiful wife. And I uh, was going to try to do one, try to do a show with Dan Weber. I had some technical difficulties before we left. And once I got over there, I didn't really feel like doing one, as you can imagine. So we're back again. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde today. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Answering your questions about USC football. You guys have sent some in. If you have any more you want to send in, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can call us at 424-254-9141. Leave a voice message there. Or you can even text us on that number, 424-254-9141. If you want to get us on iTunes, subscribe there. We love it. Uh, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast is our dedicated URL. We're also on Google Play and Audio Boom and Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio. A lot of ways to get a hold of us, a lot of ways to download the podcast and listen at your leisure. And we do appreciate all of you taking the time out of your busy days and lives to listen to our little show talking about USC football. Without further ado, let's talk some USC football with the coach, Harvey Hyde, his website, HarveyHyde.com, or follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. How you doing, Coach? Hope you enjoyed your uh, your week off while I was out gallivanting in the islands. Brian, you deserve it, buddy. I talked to you about getting burned out and going to too many practices and camps and all this and that. You need to get away and uh, welcome home as we get closer and closer now to the start of football season. Can you believe uh, July the 26th, the Trojans go to camp? Can you imagine the football season? Well, what, about a month away? That's crazy, Coach, to think about that. We got Pac-12 media days. We got the fall camp starting. Usually, like, the summer workout thing lasts for a while, but they've cut back on our access. We're only getting to go to one workout a week. So we're basically a third of the way through summer workouts, which is nuts. And then, all you know, before you know it, uh, it's going to be fall camp starting in late July, and uh, everything gets rolling from there. It certainly does. And, uh, you know, uh I think uh, that USC has taken some of our advice, too, with the players as far as cutting back, too, with their workouts and allowing them to regroup and recover so that when fall camp comes, they understand it's going to be a longer period of time that these kids are more fresh and ready to go. Yeah, and uh, it would be interesting to see how this impacts the season, if we can even tell. Uh, but everyone's going to be starting a little earlier, no two-a-days, so always little tweaks and stuff going on, and you have to be – able to adjust as a coaching staff. And I think Clay Helton so far looks like he's doing a good job of adjusting to that. Before we jump into the show, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. If you need tickets for anything here in SoCal or across the country, give them a call, 1-800-888-7287, or go to sctickets.com, like I said. Uh, if you want you know, Rams, they're back in L.A., get the Chargers over at the, uh, the StubHub Center. You want to check those out, of course, USC football. Well, that's coming up faster than you can even realize. Baseball's going on right now. So lots going on uh, around the sporting world in L.A. and, of course, across the country and all over the world. So you can go to sctickets.com, and they'll help you out with anything, tickets from anywhere. 
Um, They'll do a good job for you. And, Ryan, you said it just right. Just don't get stuck on one activity. They can do them all. Yeah. If you want to take your wife someplace cool, like a musical or something, Coach Harvey Hyde and I have both done that, too. Uh, but we're talking, we're thinking sports, Coach. That's what we're thinking right now. And you, you saying that fall camp is like basically a month away is just kind of, not that I've been, I got awoken from, uh, this morning and I was like on Hawaii time and we had contractors coming in trying to finish up the bathroom remodels that we're doing and all this stuff. But this, that was the real wake up call when you're like, hey, you know, fall camp starts <laughs> a little over a month. That's just hard to believe. I mean, that you're talking July. Um, and, and I don't know, the off season, maybe when USC wins the Rose Bowl, there's like better stuff you can think about during the off season. People aren't worried about, you know, as much going on. Yeah. There's, there's good news and bad news and stuff that's going on. But when something good happens at the end of the season, as opposed to like losing the holiday bowl, the off season becomes like really important and, and critical and people are critiquing what's going on. Not that people aren't going to now, but I, maybe winning the Rose Bowl coach may kind of makes these months go by a little faster. Well, they go by faster. Uh, everything goes by faster as you get older and so on. And, and, uh, it's been a long season for USC. Just imagine they played their last game in, in January and, uh, now they're already back practicing in, uh, July. They've had spring practice. They've had off-season conditioning. They've had spring conditioning, summer conditioning, and now they're going back to start a football season. So, uh, but I can't look at the, a program like USC not going into a program with more optimism as far as the way they finish the season, the way they feel as far as themselves, as far as the football team, as far as the unity they have and uh, the great recruiting year they had. Now they just got to make sure that they don't mess it up. They just got to make sure that they continue with the momentum and the intensity and and being a football player not being around and walking around and think you're going to go to the Oscars or something. That's over with. And it's time now to start uh, thinking about, and they've already had, I'm uh, I'm sure of that, about their opening game, their second game, their third game, and how important those games really are to their schedule and setting a tempo of what they want to continue throughout the entire year because they go through the season without a bye, and it's so important that you get that momentum going you look forward to the next game. You celebrate one evening, and you're ready to prepare for your next opponent. And I think this is what USC's got to look forward to. I think everybody's very optimistic about this coming football season. And any stumble along the way is going to be very disappointing. As you said and everyone said, uh, they'll be a favorite in every single game they play. And I think everyone uh, appreciates uh, the position that USC is in. But it's easy to say all those things, uh, but it's harder to complete the task. And I think this is what they're faced with right now. Yeah, the uh, the task at hand, and it all gets started. Of course, they're doing their their off season workouts now, and then when fall camp gets going, it's all going to be ramped up. And uh, we are all looking forward to uh, seeing what USC and Clay Hilton have in store uh, for the 2017 season. Um, while I was gone, Coach, there was some breaking news. We had a, a quarterback question, but I wanted to kind of bring this up first. And we'll have, uh, I'll try to do more shows this week. Uh, we'll get Dan on. I think we'll get Gerard on, do a recruiting podcast. So we'll talk more about this. But the, uh, you know, we talked about Matt Corral, um, who transferred from Oaks Christian to Long Beach Poly. I had talked to him maybe, a, you know, two weeks ago. He seemed very solid to USC. Ends up getting a decommit, you know, decommitting and, uh, is opening up his options. Uh, so it looks like USC and Matt Corral have parted ways. 
Um, since we talked about it before, I'm, maybe you had some some initial thoughts on that, uh, or what you heard about Matt Corral. Well, you know, I whatever I hear it is, it doesn't mean anything. But all I know, I was shocked when I saw that. I thought he was the most committed player of any player on the new recruiting list for 2018. And and I'm obvious. I I know you feel the same way. You saw him at every Saturday's practice. He's always wanted to be a Trojan. He's there and so on. And I I just think that that uh, something that probably is in the best interest of USC and for Matt. I I really do, Max. I really think that. Uh, there's something that uh, is behind the scenes that both parties feel that maybe it's best that both parties go a different way. I don't believe that a kid could change his mind that quickly after being so committed uh, as a 10th grader. And there was no doubt in his mind uh, where he was going. And the Trojans were looking forward to having him come. And he was recruiting for the Trojans and all of the above. But, you know, you have to move on. You can't dwell on this. You've got to move on. And as you know, uh, USC has been looking at other candidates and offering quarterback scholarships that have commits to other schools and so on to see if they can get someone to change their mind. I don't think they'll continue to recruit Carell. I think that he's a done deal. He's gone. It isn't like a decommit that you're going to go and recruit. I think that's a done deal, and that's over with. So I think that now the Trojans have to decide on what their future is, who who their future uh, quarterback may be. Uh, I know they want to have three on the roster, definitely. So uh, they have three now, but a year from now, who knows what they might have as far as with Sam Darnold. And uh, so, uh, you know, you just sort of, uh, uh, you look at it like, okay, he got hurt. Okay, he couldn't get in school. You can't dwell on it. You've got to move on and find yourself someone to replace him, maybe not at the same quality as far as now as a uh, junior, but maybe someone, another junior, that has the potential to be, I said potential to be, the type of quarterback that can lead you to a Pac-12 championship or a national championship. Yeah, and you mentioned, Coach, that USC has a couple other quarterbacks on the roster outside of everyone knows Sam Darnold. And we had a question from Tarek about that. From what you've seen so far, what do Matt Fink and Jack Sears do well, and where can they improve? Well, you know, I've said this so many times that you're not going to replace Sam Darnold. Uh, you're going to get someone to play the position that can uh, fill in and, and try to live up to what the expectations could be for someone following Sam Darnold. I went through that. I've said this before. I went through that trying to replace Randall Cunningham. Hey, I knew I wasn't going to replace Randall Cunningham. Uh, that doesn't happen. And the same thing now with Sam Darnold and his success. But you hope to get someone to come in and be able to be mature enough and find a new way to win around him with excellent talent. Don't beat yourself. Bring him along where he can be successful. Don't throw him to the wolves and see what's going to happen. Now, right now, after spring ball, I think Matt is ahead of of uh, Sears. I, I just believe that uh, as because of the experience he has. We'll have to see what happens and how the development is as far as as the season went along. And you heard me talk about that regarding the spring game. I thought that they wasted the opportunity to let both of those backup quarterbacks scrimmage a lot to be able to get a lot of film on them and be able to evaluate them and give them some experience. Because in the fall, they're not going to get that many reps because you got to get ready for the year. 
So I don't know right now. It is a question mark. But right now, if something was to happen, I would say, I would say Matt Fink would be the backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I would agree with you uh, right now. It's going to take Jack Sears some time. Um, you know, he's coming. We've seen him in the spring. Let's see what he looks like this fall. But I felt that you know he was just he's making that transition from high school to college. It's not always easy. And uh, they got you got time to for those guys to learn and, and grow, and then we'll see as far as USC recruiting goes, where that ends up. Could be another elite eleven quarterback uh, in the mix. Uh, so we'll see. We'll definitely talk to Gerard a little bit later on this week about that too. Um, you know, then, Ryan, I want to make another comment too. Sure. I don't know, but I had the opportunity of seeing a picture of Sam Darnold. Have you seen a picture of him recently and how much weight he's lost? I did. It's uh, he does look a little. A little more felt, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I don't know why that's happening. I don't know if uh, uh, why they uh, are trying to change his physical uh, abilities as far as, you know, that's like me taking Randall Cunningham, who had a great year, and tell him, okay, it's time you gain some weight or lose some weight. He's used to, been, he's used to playing at a certain weight with a certain energy, with a certain type of physical ability and uh, likes to hit people and and he's taken a lot of hits and he survived now to me he looks like a tall skinny kid i didn't recognize him. okay now i don't know if he, well you're around him more than i am but i wouldn't recognize him and i don't understand why you take a guy who's had such a tremendous year and you try to change him that much physically during a short period of time during the off season, losing weight because along with that, you lose strength. Uh, strength, you maybe can't take a hit as well. Uh, different things. So uh, I'm very concerned with that. I really am, and I don't understand the thinking behind it. So uh, that's just my thoughts. We'll take. Uh, I mean, we're not allowed to talk to the players until um, a couple more weeks. So there'll be two more summer workouts, and then. Once we get to the July workouts, there'll be a couple in July and we can talk to players then. So we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll kind of check out his progress and, uh, and ask him about that once we get a chance to. We're just not allowed to talk to him yet. So we'll try to give you an update on that. Um, we had another question from Tark about the, uh, offensive line. So we were talking about Chris Brown and, you know, he looks to be, you know, they're going to try to pick the best five guys. Uh, Chris Brown certainly is in that mix. Do you see him as a guard or a tackle? What do you think, Coach? As a tackle. Uh, we've spoken about that before. He's a big, tall, tall kid. I think it's important that uh, you have guards that are re- very athletic, pull, lead through holes, get out in front of the blockers, and so on. And when you're tall, you have you don't get the same pulling ability. You've got your higher. You, you don't pull as well. I think as a tackle, he, he is built for that type of, position uh i i would say right now uh you know i know he ran the guard and played some guard but i really feel after watching him play and also uh watching him practice he's a tackle he's a tackle sometimes you hope he would be a guard but he's a tackle especially with a lot of the plays they're running now with their guards responsibilities you can't have a guard behind the play you got to have a guard in front of the play. You've got to be able to run well enough and get out of there and use your cross step and get get going. Otherwise, you're just in the way. So I, I think he's a tackle, and I think he'll stay at a tackle position. Uh, but again, 
I'm not coaching the offensive line or evaluating him every minute on tape and so on, but my evaluation would say right now he's a tackle. All right. Thanks for those, Tark, and thanks for the answer there, Coach. Uh, we have, let's see, let's go to Tarion had a couple questions. Uh, for you, Coach, he said, first, on the defensive line, are the defensive tackle and nose tackle positions interchangeable, or are there skill set differences between the two? I guess it depends what kind of front you're playing also, but what do you think, Coach? Well, yeah, uh, you know, your inside guys are physical guys. They don't have to be 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and so on. they got to be guys that can plug a hole and guys that hold their ground. So your linebackers can scrape and make the necessary tackles that they can do. If you get driven back off the line of scrimmage, now they're playing on your side of the football and it forces the linebackers to be uh, deeper as far as before they can penetrate or step up in the hole or whatever the responsibility might be to get it done. So that's why Stevie T was so good. That's why guys that are built closer to get ground, if you look in the NFL even, and you look at the nose guards in the NFL or tackles in the NFL, they're not big, tall guys necessarily. Some may be, but it isn't, it isn't something that you have to be. So you've got to be able to hold your ground. You've got to be real strong. You've got to be able to beat the center. You've got to be able to uh, force double teams because the center can't handle you or guard guard can't handle you, you penetrate because of your strength, you get great push. Uh, so this is the type of guy you want there. On the outside in the tackle positions or the defensive ends, whatever you want to call them, you want rush guys. You want guys that are quicker. You want guys that are taller, that can knock down passes, that can get in the face of the quarterback, force everything back inside. So, you know, it's uh, a difficult, different type of physical type of player. Now, you do uh, sometimes see smaller players play out there because they've got tremendous quickness and they can beat the offensive tackle to the jump. Uh, but uh, I'm going to tell you, normally your outside guys are more quicker. They are physical, but you got to get them across the line of scrimmage. you got to get them out there to be able to stop the white things, not allow your quarterback to scramble outside, force everything back inside, and also be physical enough that when they try to trap you, step down, pound the guard coming around, Stack up everything inside, force it outside, and do whatever you have to do, depending on the defense call. Okay, in the second part of his question, Coach, um, he was saying, the last motion that Sam Darnold makes right before the snap is a quick point to the ground with his right arm and hand. Any idea what this motion means? Can't wait for your coverage of fall camp from Tarion. No, I can't. I, I can't tell you that. I don't know if it's part of the offense or signals or sometimes players are very superstitious and they do things that you really don't know or maybe it's a false type of key that he does so the people try to figure it out and it doesn't mean anything and yet it could mean a lot. So uh, I really don't know uh, what it means, uh, but it means something or he's just doing it because he's used to doing it and it's something that uh, he feels good about doing. Yeah, it's weird. The, the point of the ground, I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, obviously, you know, they're calling out protections. They're trying to help out the offensive line, pointing where middle linebacker. You see some of that where they're, they're, what they observe from the defense, they'll make some calls and things according to that. But I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember him specifically pointing like to the ground right before the snap as something. I don't know. And, uh, you know, I've never noticed that before. Uh, so if it was that apparent, I'd probably recognize it, or you're watching him a lot closer than I am. 
Yeah, Terry. Terry, we'll have to uh, kind of check that out and and see. But it is, I do like watching. If it's funny when you watch a football game, we're normally watching the ball. Like you're, oh, they're handing off here, throwing it there. But watching like the defensive line or watching the line or whatever you can see from the coverage. Uh, but even like pre-snap, what the quarterback's doing, the hand signals, all the motioning and stuff is going on. We get a pretty good view of that at practice sometimes. It's pretty fascinating to see all the communication that's going on on both sides of the ball, trying to figure out, you know, hey, here's, we think they're going to do this. We're, we're set up to do this. If, is this going to work? Is this not? Um, it, it's kind of fun to watch if you can, uh, especially get up close and kind of check out what they're doing. You're right, Brian, and a lot of it doesn't mean anything, okay? <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it really, they just go through things so it gives the coaches something more to look at and the players something to try to break down that if he does this, that means they're going to do that or whatever. And then in some cases, it could. I mean, it could be a live uh, signal or it could be a signal that's not live, just like in baseball. You make certain moves and you have a key thing that says, when I do this, that means it's live and means something, but if I don't do that, it's not live. So it's just something to make the defensive players uh, or defensive side of the football try to figure out what you're doing. And I am sure that on the offensive side, when he does that at certain times, it means a lot as far as the coverages, the reads, or communicating with each other, uh, or whatever, you know, like to go in motion because of the uh, uh, they want to find out what the coverage is or it gives them a better advantage to have them on the other side. There's always those little different tweaks that you do and you work on during the week that uh, that uh, help you as far as uh, an offensive side of the football communicating. If you don't communicate and you think the guy might know, might recognize it, that doesn't, then you want to just make sure as a quarterback, you did see that, didn't you? You know what we're going to do, and I think that helps everyone. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fascinating that, you know, what people do. And I think when you look at the differences between the NFL and college, the, to me, the best college coaches, because you have so much limited time and there's always turnover of players, is making something, if you're an offensive coordinator, for example, making an offense that looks complicated, that looks like there's a whole lot of things going on, but to the players running it, it isn't that complicated. It's a simpler scheme than what you'd have in the NFL where they're, you know, the play calls can last for 30 seconds and there's so much to think about it's you know we've seen people try to implement that kind of system in college and it's really difficult because um, you need 11 players all on the same page um, so if you the to me the best coaching jobs in college when you can master something that that looks complicated but simple enough for the college students to run ryan you're exactly right I, i've said it a hundred times if you watch these offenses uh they're the same plays they're just out of different formations with different motions and different looks. They're the same plays. They just done it in a different situation to try to dictate to the defense on what best advantage they can get for the play they have called or that they want to recognize uh, what the defense is doing because of a certain set they're in. But as far as the number of plays that are run, there, there there's only six or eight plays that you run in an offense, and then you do a couple of things off of it. You play action pass, you you run a reverse, you do, you know, you, you run a jet, you do a couple of things to complete the series, and that you always hear me talk about completing a series. If you have too many plays, you never complete a series. You just run one play here and one play there. And you heard me talk about Lane and Steve Sarkeesian doing that. They had too many different types of plays and not any series. You've got to have a series that this, if they do this, I do that. 
If they do that, I do this. If they're stopping this run, then they can't stop the play-action pass or the drag or the bootleg. You've got to know your offense or the fullback in the flat. You've got to know your offense because people can't stop everything. You can help dictate to what you want to try to accomplish with your offense by keeping it simple, not confusing your players. Your players understand what you're trying to do, and you eliminate penalties and uh, and all delay of games and all that type of stuff. Well, Coach, we got one more uh, question about the Pac-12 and a former USC coach um, from our buddy Marcel in the San Gabriel Valley, and we'll let you go with this one. He says, uh, with Mora Graham and Rodriguez, uh, so he's talking about UCLA and the Arizona schools, possibly being on the hot seat, do you see a scenario where Lane Kiffin could return to the Pac-12? Love the show from Marcel. Well, you know, you never, I'll never say never, okay, in anything today. It just completely amazes me on uh, what happens in college football today. Winning is the name of the game, and it's, uh, if you don't win, uh, uh, then you're on the hot seat. You pay, you get paid too much money. There's too much money uh, involved in college football now. It's a business. Whether people believe it or not, it is a business. And uh, Arizona State and Arizona, or Arizona's never been to the Rose Bowl game. And UCLA is supposed to be one of the prime teams in Southern California, and recently it hasn't been. It's been very inconsistent. <clears throat> and do they want to stay that way, or do they want to make a change there? Well, there's a lot of things that dictate to that. I think that at Arizona State, and I never talk about coaches as far as being fired or whatever, I think Graham has a lot of pressure on him. And I think that he's going to have to win. I think Rodriguez is going to have to win. Now at UCLA... I think that they'd love to see more win, but I don't know. Dan Guerrero's got about two years left as far as before he retires. Does he want to make a coaching change and cause all this type of controversy uh, with Jim Moore? So you've got an athletic director who hired Jim Moore, who's going to retire, and uh, would he want to make a coaching change for a new coach? I, I don't think he does. So I think it's very, very important that Jim has a good year at UCLA. I really do. It's, uh, the people, uh, the, the people are, uh, talking, they're rumbling, uh, the attendance is down, the profits are down, not only for UCLA football, but for the Rose Bowl, concessions, parking. It's all been affected. And it's a money game. So I, I think it's very important that UCLA has a very successful season, as well as Arizona and Arizona State. But remember, the Pac-12 is not what it used to be. The Pac-12 now, you know, Mike Leach is doing a great job at Washington State. He can beat you any day. The Trojans go up and play them there. They better be ready to play. They got everybody back. They got the quarterback back. They got everybody but one offensive lineman back. They're going to be tough to beat up there. And I think they play on a Friday night. You got Washington. You got Oregon State. I mean, they're not a gimme. They were really uh, that force last year, but they'll get it going. Oregon, you know, they've got their locking, reloading. They've got, what, nine four-stars as far as part of their signing for this coming year. I mean, they're back recruiting, man. That's the most four-stars they've had in a long time as far as verbal commits. And, you know, Colorado's better. Utah, they'll always hit you. So, and Stanford, they've won, what, ten games the last four or five years. Hey, Pac-12 is good football conference. So you got to be pretty good to win in the Pac-12. So it's not a gimme anymore. Before it was, you know, there's certain people you can count on beating. You can't do that anymore. 
So uh, you got to be uh, having everything going right for you. And the difference of talent today as far as deciding if I want this kid or I want that kid, you better be right. Because if you don't take the right kid, he's going to play against you, okay? And that kid's going to want to beat you. So there's a lot to college football and the importance of winning. There certainly is. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see Mora being forced out at this point. I mean, maybe if they have a disastrous season, but I think UCLA will win enough games where he, he's not going anywhere. I don't know about Lane Kiffin coming back. It was hard for him to get a head coaching job. We haven't seen him do anything. Maybe in a couple of years, if he's able to win a bunch of games down there and turn things around, then you get some options. But I think at this point, he's got to show he can win where he's at and not look into the next, uh, gig. That's just my opinion. Um, and I agree with you, Ryan, because, and I neglected to comment on that. I agree. You just better win where you are first. Yeah, he doesn't show anything right now that he should be at Arizona or Arizona State. I mean, not that he doesn't have the ability, but right now I don't think he's matured enough to do that with some of the things he's doing. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think, I think you got to wait a little bit on the, the Lane Kiffin thing. He's, you know, proven he could do the, the offensive coordinator job and did a great job at Alabama. Um, and so, now he's going to be at a small school. He's trying to, uh, you know, whip up some enthusiasm and, uh, and get things going there. And we'll see, you know, he wins a bunch of games. He upsets some people. Then I think you start getting attention. It's not just going to be based on reputation alone. He's going to have to do something as a head coach there, I think, to jump up to the next level and into the Pac-12 might be a big jump, but you know, we'll see. I don't expect something, uh, after one year there. Um, all right, coach, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, like I said, we're going to have. I'm going to try to do a couple more shows this week. We need to get Gerard on because of the Matt Corral stuff, but also USC picked up a couple of uh, commits over the past 24 hours uh, from offensive linemen, including the number one center in the country. So definitely a lot to talk about on the recruiting front. They had a big elite camp over the weekend. We're putting up videos from that and the Rising Stars camp. So lots of recruiting stuff going up on uscfootball.com uh, right now. So we definitely have to have Gerard on and stuff. So hopefully you guys can stay tuned later in this week for for those podcasts. But, Coach, thanks for uh, hanging with me while I was on my week off, and then uh, we're back at the grind again. Thanks again for coming on. Ryan, it's always a pleasure. And for all of you out there, uh, stay cool. It's pretty hot out there no matter where you are. But I used to always tell my players uh, when we practiced in Las Vegas, I'd say, somewhere in the world it's hotter. <laughs> and we got to take advantage of what our climate really is. So buckle up out there, everyone, and we'll be back with you, I hope, next week. We certainly will. Next Monday, back on a regular schedule with Coach Harvey Hyde. So that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 